0: Hey guys, welcome back. So right before the episode, again, I want to just pop in and remind you that Top Picks is still under swing. We just published all of my favorite category. Well, not all of it. We have one more deck coming up, but masks, facial masks are up. So part one and two is up along with, um, you know, our lip balms. And I'm so, so excited to bring those to you guys Um, You know, these are really, really the coveted products um, that we have found, you know, through our trial and error, you could say. (laughs) And also just, you know, a lot of uh, diving into the inky lists, a lot of really, really digging into the brand and understanding, you know, what is it here that it makes this brand special or makes this product special. So we've done a lot of homework around this stuff and, you know, I hope you guys are really enjoying the topics. Um, I urge all of you, you know, if you're looking for that special stocking stuffer for that you know makeup or skincare geek in your family um look no further these are the most curated picks i promise you you guys are gonna fall in love with every product um you know that you try so stay tuned for more to come there's lots more to come i've still got body care to bring you guys we still got fragrance we still have all the cool tools, I'm like a huge techie, so I can't wait for you guys to see the um, the facial tool deck, it's so cool, like, you know, we scoured, you know, all the brands and we came up with all these amazing tools that we can utilize from, you know, LED masks, all the way to rollers, all the way to, you know, um, microcurrent, so it's going to be really, really cool, so stay tuned for that, um, but yeah, I hope you guys are loving the holidays and I just want to wish everyone a very very happy holiday season um we are so close to december 25th i can't believe it it's you know time is flying but i just want to remind everyone that we love you so much and we notice every little thing you know every download every chime in every email that you send us we notice everything and we love you so much for it so thank you thank you so much for your time and I hope you guys love our episodes, and this one is actually really cool. Um, it's a really deep dive into, into like the data that um, creates trends and just all that great stuff. So stay tuned for this, and if you have any questions at all, definitely shoot us an email. And before I go, I just want to remind everybody, please, if you have not already, go on to Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts or amazon music actually um and just leave us a rating wherever you listen to us wherever you tune in we're on so many platforms now um you know just leave us a little review leave us a rating it helps us so much and um you know it really really helps bump us up so thank you so much guys and have a wonderful rest of your day Hey guys, Welcome back to Super Anarchy. I have a wonderful special episode for you guys today. This is um, a more data side of things when it comes to the beauty industry, really understanding why we're buying what we're buying. Um, you know what it contains, all the information that happens and that gets used to be, you know, that gets used to create analysis and reports and and information. Um, you know, we're going to learn all about that aspect of this industry today. So, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to our lovely, lovely uh, guest, Andrea Spellman.
1: Um, welcome to the show, Andrea. I'm so excited to host you. Thank you so much. Etta. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have this chat with you today. Yeah, no,
0: I'm really, really excited about, um, you know, just learning from you, because um, so for everyone listening, um, Andrea is the VP of sales and partnerships for a company called Social Standards, and um, it's a really wonderful company, and her work is really, really wonderful and very exciting, you know, in my opinion. So Andrea, I would love to get started, actually, by you telling us about yourself, about your background, and just really how things kind of, you
1: know, evolved the way they did and how you ended up here yeah absolutely um so it's actually kind of a funny story um i started in the entertainment industry doing development and production um and then was uh given the opportunity to go work for a division of variety which is owned by penske media they also own wwd well known in the beauty space obviously Um, And uh, so I positioned myself into working to sell to the entertainment industry. And then from there, I actually moved into trend forecasting, which kind of brings me much more into the space of um, working within the beauty industry. I worked for a company called WGSN they are the market leader in trend forecasting, um, predominantly known in fashion apparel, but they also work within um, beauty and a number of other consumer industries. And uh, that was interesting because it was my first foray into sort of the CPG skincare beauty fashion space. Um, I'd worked in the entertainment industry and in sales to the entertainment industry prior to that. Um, And it was that experience where I was running North American's new business team that actually brought me to the role that I'm in today at social standards. And I'm really excited to talk about it because what WGSN would do is they did trend forecasting based on um, qualitative trend reports that experts pulled from the industry would forecast through a methodology called STEPIC, where they would look at everything that's happening through society, technology, technology economic, et cetera, these types of lenses, and then forecast two to five years out. But they would pull in data to support these trend forecasts that they were coming up with out of their experience through the lens of this methodology. And um, as a lot of the industries started to turn to more and more data driven decision making, it was becoming more challenging to work within um, that space and so social standards approached me to come and work for them and. Um, It was an awesome opportunity because I'll say, you know, what we do is we're taking consumer data that's actually the consumer's voice, authentic consumer's voice via social media and then aggregating it and giving it structure so that it can be used in an analytically rigorous way, similar to how say Nielsen sales data is used to be able to do a lot of very strategic things. So I went from a company that pulled data in to support sort of um, trends that are forecasted by people to a company that uses data to predict trends based on what people are actually saying.
0: That is so cool. I love that. I really love that. And I love that you explained it like that. Thank you. That was very... um... Think easy for us to understand you know as consumers because I think when it comes to when it comes to really understanding what drives them there's mm-hmm. a huge gray space you know in the understanding I you know aspect of things and the and the knowledge because we don't know right as consumers like trends pop up every day you know yeah it's so interesting like you know before for everyone listening before the episode started you know Andrea and I were speaking about mushroom and like you know certain ingredients that just keep popping up in our favorite products and it's like you know I'm not gonna lie to you Andrea you know I've wondered more times than once you know where do we keep getting this like, you know, just search in certain like, you know, ingredients or certain a uh, hype around a certain type of uh, product or, you know, whatever that may be, right? So it's yeah. very interesting to me that you said that you guys are very consumer driven, you're very consumer data driven. I love that. And I would love for you to um, kind of I guess explain to us like a, a like taking an you know an example like an easy right. example if you could and <clears throat> something maybe that you've worked with before and tell us about how you gather that data from consumers and how you apply that into your software
1: and then use it and then yeah. how
0: brands can leverage you know what I mean that information
1: yeah. Yeah, well, one thing I would say, um, we were talking about mushrooms and what's interesting specifically to skincare is that within anti-aging skincare and overnight care, those are um, from a consumer's perspective being seen as kind of the primary product format for mushrooms and beauty. And that's because mushrooms are associated with um, blemishes, inflammation and aging. And so what we've so- seen within our data is that consumers are turning to mushrooms almost as a source of uh, hyaluronic acid. And so these are the types of conversations that we are analyzing to understand the relationship between when a consumer posts about mushrooms in skincare on their Instagram feed, what are the other words and terms that they're using alongside mushroom and skincare to help us understand that consumer driver. But yeah, so let me um, go ahead and talk through kind of our methodology. We are holistically using social data um, yeah. and it's organic social data, authentic consumer voice. What we use are Twitter, Instagram, um, Reddit, and TikTok. Um, and we are pulling the entirety of the public feeds on these four platforms, scrubbing them of the brand posts and sponsored content so that we can say that we're providing the objective consumer voice. And then effectively, um, through a combination of technology, you can call it AI or natural language or what have you, but it's an algorithm that was developed by our CTO and co-founder. And actual human linguists we're analyzing all of those posts. And it's only able Mm. to be done at this scale through a combination of tech and people because we're ingesting 350 million conversations a month, right? That's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And so how that works is the tech goes through and buckets all of the different things that people say into specific hierarchies, whether it's a benefit and a concern, an activity, Um, a hobby, a product type, a brand, anything like that. And the tech will uh, organize it into that specific category, which enables us to build an entire market vertical. So essentially you can look at beauty And then that allows our clients to do things like compare their products against their competitor's product or compare how their brand is talked about in comparison to their competitor's brands. The aspect that brings the humans into the equation is that obviously the way we talk as people, as humans, it changes. We come up with slang. We start using terms like baking to discuss Applying a foundation, right? And allowing yeah. it to bake powder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, in order for us to accurately be able to track consumer conversation, when those types of things happen, our technology flags that baking is showing up in makeup conversations rather than, you know, baking cookies or baking bread, which would oh. roll up into food and beverage. And so, when that happens, the tech kind of like does a little alert, and our team, our linguist team, goes in and looks at what's actually being said to analyze whether it is actually supposed to be in makeup conversations so that it aligns correctly. And that's super important, especially with like a good example is um, corona, you know, when the COVID started happening, traditional social listening, the brand Corona's um, volume on social media would have spiked, but it wouldn't have right. been accurate, right? Or if you think about like e.l.f. cosmetics, right? Like we yeah, need around the sure. holidays. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like we need to make sure you're talking about elf cosmetics and not, you know, elf the Christmas movie or elf on a shelf or any other type of elf from I don't know, Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> um oh, yeah, that's so cool
0: though. I, I wanted to <laughs> I
1: wanted to actually
0: interject because that's such a it's so cool how you're taking qualitative data and yep. you're creating a way for us to understand it. That is huge. Like I love love that I mean I love everything about what you just you know just kind of uh touched on I mean I know that's like the tip of the the freaking iceberg but I mean that's (laughs) that's amazing and you know what's crazy Andrea I will say I wanted to even give you my an example I still struggle with is masking because everybody knows like masks are my favorite products when like the category of products and so whenever I type masking I because of COVID I always get face masks like you know the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. instead of the hashtag for actual masks, like, you know, that we use in skincare. So that's very, very interesting to me that, you know, um, you guys not only collect this data, but you're also keeping up with the the changing, you know, uh, references and the changing, like, you know, just the way we're discussing things. So that, that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah,
1: no. And like, that's really what allows us to do kind of trend detection and tracking, right? Because if we're keeping up- yeah. With the social lexicon, the social media universe, um, we're able to understand when new things enter it. And like with TikTok being our newest data source, that's super important because of how many aesthetic trends are being talked about on TikTok. Right. And now a see, lot of that's times, where that's where yeah. we're
0: gonna. I'm going to interrupt okay. you a little bit there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know I, I, I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm so excited. <laughs> this is really cool stuff. So um, I want to actually ask you to really dive into TikTok for us because that is a platform. I kid you not. I still to this day cannot understand it. I don't get it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't get TikTok. So
1: tell me it, all about TikTok. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. So we are officially launching TikTok as a new data source um, next month. But it was a huge priority for us because so many of our clients and customers were really focused on it, obviously, because like TikTok has over a billion monthly users. And what the aspect of it is, is we find that the way that our clients use it, because we've done some testing, it's the use cases tend to be relatively similar to what you would consider Instagram, i.e., we consider Instagram to be um, aligned or correlated with the moment of consumption, because that's when people are talking about using the products that they're taking pictures or doing videos of, right? Right. But it's a bigger platform for Gen Z. Um, 62% of the US TikTok users are aged between 10 and 29. And so for us, We had to go through some really specific and rigorous ability to understand how we could utilize the TikTok data to make sure that it was going to um, complement the other data sources that we use, because we do treat them separately, because as I alluded to, they tell us different things about the consumer. I said Instagram is more aligned with consumption. Um, Mm -hmm. Reddit, people really go into um, routines, and they'll talk a lot more about how for example, um, gut health affects them in a much more um, descriptive way than they might if they're just talking about which products they use to help with gut health and taking pictures. Oh God, of them yeah, Reddit,
0: Reddit users are like freaking writers. Like they they write novels. Like genuinely, like they'll take they'll take a
1: topic and they will go on and on and on and on about it. Like I get you with the Reddit. Yeah. Well, and so TikTok, like we're utilizing it the same way that we utilize our other data sources in that we're collecting over 100 million TikTok posts a month, and then we structure the text-based data into objects. And for us, objects would be like what I talked about earlier, brands, products, themes, things like that. And what's cool is that it's not only just like the direct mention, but also any synonyms, misspellings, and related terms which allows us to create that structure and get right to analyzing topics that you're interested in. And so this helps to understand like specific cohorts. And by cohorts, I mean like if somebody's looking to understand that Gen Z consumer and what they're interested in when it comes to skincare on TikTok and what's rising and falling from a trend perspective because that's one of the major use cases within TikTok, you can do that. You can um, explore emerging categories, so you can understand ingredients, right, and how they're talked about on TikTok versus Instagram. Like snail essence is coming up again, and I think snail essence was being talked about like five years ago. So it's interesting to see that coming up again in beauty and skincare conversations. But um, that's
0: interesting, yeah. So no, that's interesting because yeah. that, uh, we just had that. We had that thing with slugging lately Mm -hmm. like that that technique so that makes a lot of sense I mean that's very interesting to to see and you know as you're describing like I'm imagining it real time you know what I mean if I were a brand and I was like you know really trying to you know really monetize if you have products right if you're a giant Mm -hmm. brand and you have products across the categories I mean you've got the mushroom products you got the snail essence you got all of it I mean this could be the most I think beneficial investment for your company is working with you guys like I mean why would you not want to get ahead of that I mean that's a really really I feel like it's more important than marketing you know you don't know what
1: to market right exactly and you know one of our um, major clients that's like really one of the ways that they utilize us is they are looking at their products across all of the different brands that they have And then um, utilizing workshops with us and our data to be able to understand like what those products are associated with in consumer conversations and then determine how they're going to um, grow their consumers, right? And that could be anything from leaning in further to what that particular brand's consumer is already talking about alongside their product. Or it could be, you know, identifying that there's a gap, right? Like maybe the um, Asian luxury consumer isn't really leaned in to this particular skincare product. So what is the Asian skincare, luxury skincare consumer talking about? How could they better either develop a product or how could they market their current portfolio of products better to capture more of that consumer spend. And it's really interesting because I was talking to somebody the other day and I love what we do because we're utilizing what consumers are actually talking about to help companies make decisions at the most strategic levels. But in a way, and I had never thought of it this way before, in a way it's we're helping companies be more efficient which ultimately is helping companies be more sustainable, because if they're better able to align with what consumers are actually looking for and understand the difference between a trend and a fad, then they're going to be better equipped to make products that are going to sell and there's less waste, which actually hits a very deeply held belief of mine, value of mine, which is I try to be sustainable in my everyday life. And so when I discovered that in just conversation with a friend, I was very pleased that um, somehow without even knowing it, I was working for a company that was sort of helping that value um, move forward in the world, if you will. Well,
0: that's an amazing, amazing point you made. I'm so glad you brought it up because... I kid you not about, I think it's been like three or four months now, I brought this conversation up a little bit, like in a different way, um, you know, because I was thinking about waste. And, you know, at the time I was interviewing a lot of brands that were, you know, they were concerned about sustainability. They were talking about it, obviously, you know, how what they're doing and what their methodology is behind creating a more sustainable brand, whether it's packaging, whether it's ingredients. But then I remember laying there at night one night and I was like, well, what about just stop creating products? you know Mm -hmm. like why are you making stuff for people who are gonna buy it like once and it's like 50 customers you know what I mean like that's not even selling you know a a year's worth of inventory like that kind of stuff and I was like I remember I I don't know if I did a post or not about it like a blog post but it was Mm -hmm. like you know it definitely popped in my mind as well is this idea of why are brands not investing in this what exactly what you said which is you know Figure out what it is that you have that people want and stick to it. If that means one SKU... Per year, but you're selling the hell out of that one SKU, that's better than you making like 15 and not selling eight of them. You know what I mean? In terms of sustainability, like they're just sitting there. And and, and another thing is like, you know, like I, I'd written an article about like nano plastics now, you know, that are, that are emerging as like the new problem with sustainability. So this goes so many ways, you know, and I think what you're providing here, I mean, this is something that I think every brand on some level, in some form, I'm sure everybody can't afford your services you know you guys are very <laughs> high-end uh, firm but it's like you know i'm just saying like this idea that you're presenting to us here this is something that we need to all be mindful of whether that's in our own like niche communities you know what i mean as entrepreneurs or on a grander scale so right. i think that's a very yeah that's very cool that you're able to do that you know indirectly
1: Yeah. And I think that it's super important because, you know, brands and companies, they're not going to um, suddenly stop wanting to make a profit, you know, (laughs) but being able to better understand like where they should increase their products line or what products, like what spaces for innovation they should move into and be more accurately targeting those products or even just those consumers can make their lives so much easier as they move along that decision-making chain, right? I mean, Absolutely. like yeah. it's super, it's super fun. Like we helped one company understand. If you remember that whole silicone sponge um, trend, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was oh kind my of sad. It like went and came and went in a flash. Yeah. Yeah, like we helped a company understand like they wanted to put um, some investment behind that and by analyzing the consumer conversations and kind of looking at who was talking about that month over month, we helped them see that it was unlikely to be um, sustained over time. Yeah. And that that down like fast. Yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. It was like yeah. a shark tooth in the conversation. It went up and then it went down. So exactly. it enabled them to, I mean, sure we weren't the only data point that they utilized, but in it, that it helped to see that consumers were unlikely to continue to talk about it. And that meant that they could save that money and invest in some other innovation that was going to last longer. Cause it's also like, You think about it, it's expensive to develop new skincare products and it's expensive to put money behind them from a marketing standpoint. So you want to understand which ingredients are coming up in conversation that might be um, interesting and how they're coming up in conversation. You want to understand like how you talk to the communities that um, are important to your brand, or even just to the sustainability point. I know that the government's just now starting to put some definitions behind it, but really there isn't a one true definition for what a sustainable brand or even a clean brand is, right? And so understanding what consumers consumers associate with those terms is massively important, especially with some um, some of the blowback we've seen where brands that claim to be clean are not. Yeah, no,
0: I, I completely agree. And I think that you made an excellent point there, which is this clean beauty, green beauty, natural beauty, organic beauty, all these freaking categories that do not need to exist, in my opinion. Um, okay. You know, it just, it's it's really overwhelming for a mm-hmm. consumer, but I cannot imagine how overwhelming it would be for a brand that's trying to fit into these categories because when you define yourself I mean this is what I hear at least right I mean Mm -hmm. the conversation always comes down to the brand saying well we're kind of natural we're kind of organic and we're kind of clean and I'm like I don't know what any of that means but I'm gonna go with it you know it's like I it doesn't make any sense right it's like you what do you mean like there because there's no definition and the thing is what defines anything it's always data points you know Mm -hmm. and that's something that i think companies really need to start getting behind is this idea of that data doesn't always make you not natural or not organic it makes you more viable as a brand it makes you more solid more refined you know and so when you utilize these kind of data points which is the ones you're discussing whether it's about trends whether it's about the um you know the functionality of the ingredients they're trying to push right now in the current market whether Mm -hmm. that's that's, you know, trying to formulate a new idea, you have to do your homework. And instead of trying to get on there on Reddit, and, you know, Instagram, which I don't, I don't think any brand could do it on their own. I don't know how you would, you know, um, without some sort of algorithm, such as the one you guys use, you know, how you would figure out what people want. Because every day, I see it, I literally every day, no joke, I see a brand coming out with another new hero ingredient. And mm-hmm. I, ask myself, I'm like, where and when did they get the tip that this ingredient is important? You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. that this is gonna mean something to anybody because right. a lot of times those brands do well. They do well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like mm-hmm. something you've never heard of, but apparently there's a huge group of people out there that have heard of it, you know. So it's like I always get confused on my end, but that's also because I'm probably living under a rock, you know, with certain <laughs> things. I highly doubt that. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, it's like it's this, yeah. in, in, this is inform this age of information that we're living in i mean i feel like you can approach it in so many ways and i just believe in the power of data so i really believe in what you guys are doing i mean um you know one question i do have for you is this now i get it with the trends you know what i mean because trends are determined by obviously you know quantitatively You know how much and where and what category of people are talking about a given topic. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, a magazine or a publication can write about that as the new and upcoming thing. But what about when a trend goes viral? Where mm-hmm. is that distinction? And have you seen that in your time, like while you, you've been doing this with, um, you know, a trend just, it just keeps going like a stock, right? It just, it peaks, like it goes viral. And so how has that been for you? Like that experience of watching something go from like kind of trendy to like fully viral?
1: Well, it's interesting because the aspect that we look at realistically is more what is a lo- associated with the trend because when a trend goes viral, it's really just associated with the amount of conversations that are being had about that particular subject. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only when you analyze what else is being talked about within that quote unquote viral trend, whether or not it's going to last. Right. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what I was talking about with respect to understanding a trend versus a fad. A lot of viral subjects or topics tend to be more fad driven. They're not going to have any sustained length of conversation. It kind of comes and it goes. But if we start to see something that goes viral and it's going to continue to remain a trend, that's when a lot of our clients start to be interested in pursuing said, um said topic said ingredient said what have you like ingredients is huge in skincare and in beauty in general we just released a a thought leadership piece on how the conversations in beauty in skincare specifically it was going from like the skinification of beauty how all beauty products are now required to have um skin benefits of some kind. Yeah. 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 But it's going beyond that where now it's, um, not just skincare benefits, but consumers are starting to look for overall healthcare benefits in their brands. And, you know, we just attended the beauty accelerate conference in New York and the, they were talking about this so-called, um, health revolution or evolution of, uh, the skinification trend into hybrid skincare and makeup, where your skincare and makeup products have, you know, multiple different functions. They're multi-use and multi-purpose. And you yeah. see a lot of that in like sunblock or CC cream or tinted moisturizer. And so with viral viral trends, you that's really a big thing on TikTok. But what we're able to do is take that virality, and I don't even know if I'm saying that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But is and kind of apply it against the overall landscape within the market to see if it's going to continue and what the implications are, um, because this is not a skincare example, but we helped identify that the hard seltzer initial trend was going to last so that you were able to understand that this was a category that was new to beverage alcohol and it wasn't just something seasonal that people were going to drink over the summer and it wasn't going to go away like the brief hard soda um attempt and that was because hard seltzer was associated with a larger lifestyle trend the ketogenic diet and because the yeah. ketogenic diet was rising and continuing to see sustained growth Hard seltzer, having an association with that, was going to continue as well. Obviously, and this, again, now people are much more interested in prepared cocktails, like those margaritas in a can or what have you. Oh, gosh, yeah. I will <laughs> never be on that. That will never be a trend in my life. Sorry. <laughs> but um, what's interesting is like, that was one of the biggest disruptions to the beverage alcohol community in some time. Hard seltzer, it was a whole new product category, so to speak. And so witnessing those viral moments is certainly something that we're able to track but then we take that conversation volume that's spiking and we analyze what's happening alongside it in the conversation to be able to give more context because it is really important to understand the why behind what's happening
0: that makes sense and it's also yeah that makes a lot of sense to me it's like what's making it go viral Really? You know, what is the underlying? That's huge. That's huge, Andrea. Wow. I'm, like, really, really impressed here, like, with your technology that you guys are utilizing. I mean, it's, this is, I think, what we need, I feel like, for every brand. Because it's not about, I don't know, I'm just, at at this point, after 380, like, almost interviews, you know, I mean, most of them being brands, I can honestly tell you, like, I don't see a lot of innovation anymore and it's Mm -hmm. really for me like as a consumer and also as a scientist I sit there and I'm like why though you know like why and it's really it's what everything you've said here that's why because no one I mean you know maybe some brands yeah you know, like L'Oreal and, uh, you know, some of the really, really big brands, they're doing their homework, they're doing this, they're investing in the right things, which is this kind of technology that you guys have. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going to last and what's not going to last, but we're still seeing, and this really goes back to that clean beauty, organic beauty, you know, conversation where brands just keep creating things because they think it's better for you because it's clean and organic, but there's no data about it. I mean, you, how many brands do we need that create uh natural deodorant? Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, at this point, yeah. it's like, we get it. Natural deodorant is great, but you don't need 80 options for natural deodorant. You know, it's not, and it, that's another thing is like, you know, we were, you and I have been speaking about, you know, specific words, specific topics and ingredients, but I feel like you guys should do this just for brands,
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I mean, bread. that's, that's yeah. what we do. Honestly, we can yeah. analyze anything from the word sustainability and how consumers talk about that to, you know, uh, a, any specific brand, as long as it's being talked about on the social platforms at enough, um, at enough volume, essentially, for there to be statistical analysis available. And one thing I want to say is, like, Part of what you're saying is what we really feel is like consumer intelligence, so to speak, hasn't kept up with how fast social data has been um, evolving, right? And yeah, so yeah. part of the reason I think what you're saying about brands maybe not evolving and innovating the way that you would expect is because a lot of the more traditional data sources aren't able to forecast tomorrow, like tomorrow's consumer, because like they're moving so fast, given COVID, given inflation, given recession concerns, all of these things, if you're relying on say sales data or panel data, like consumers going out to consumers and doing limited surveys, like it's not moving fast enough. You have to have a very like small segment of the consumer population. It doesn't really give you the why, like I said, And, you know, if you're running surveys and focus groups, it can take a long time. You can't go back and ask more questions. And to begin with, it's inherently biased because you're asking questions. And especially if it's an in-person survey, people are influenced by the other people in the room. So, they might see something on their social media feed just objectively that is more true to what their actual behavior or thoughts and perceptions are than if they answer a survey question. And then, like the last aspect of the coin is what we consider social media listening, which is terribly useful as far as like doing things like managing marketing campaigns or handling crisis management, as well as very basic understanding of whether a brand's sentiment in the social universe is positive, negative, or neutral. But these are, they don't allow you to compare like your brand's performance to your competitors or your product's performance typically. And it's a lot of it um, goes down to the individual level posts which doesn't give you that aggregated view that enables like macro level trend detection and tracking and understanding of the consumer
0: well you can't find missing data points when exactly. you overlap things yeah that yeah. way I get, I get you when you were saying you're you know you were talking about the the survey thing I kid you not I was imagining that scene I don't know if you've seen the whole series but that part in mad men where <laughs> the women are trying on lipsticks you know what I mean and they're all just in they're behind the glass and they're all trying it and they're you know that's what I was thinking about and I'm like yeah she's right like that we're still stuck there guys we're mm-hmm. still stuck there with the survey and also a survey just to add to what you said it's uh one moment in a given day of a given year of a given you know and so on and so on it's that's not it's not you know representative at all of you know when you're trying to really extrapolate and put this data in it you know out there in a meaningful way that 99% of consumers blah 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 you can't do that with that kind of data that's one data point you know one survey is one data point once one series of surveys, one day of conducting a survey is a data point, if you really think about it. I remember mm-hmm. back, you know, about, you know, what, eight years ago or something, people were already talking about big data, you know, it was coming yeah. out, it was, a, it was a thing, you know, and so now I think about it, and I'm like, why are we as a as a you know whole population, we should be looking towards this rather than away from it. Because eight years ago, we were already talking about data models, and you know the, you know it's like taking someone's like handwritten list and then comparing it to a full fledged data model that's functional. You know what I mean? and yeah. It's it's able to be carried and it's able to be used in a way that's so precise and figure out. The exact thing you want to know. And then, you know, versus somebody's handwritten list over what? here. You know, it's what? like <laughs> that's it's I a mean. whole different level. You know, that's like that's like uh whole dimensions differences, you know, right? dimensional differences. I think people need to get with that. That's why that's why I'm saying all this is people need to get with this idea of not only from brand perspective, but from a consumer perspective, we need to start demanding this of brands right. to do this for us because well, at the end of the day if you're a consumer, you're just blindly buying products. I mean, you, it's also your responsibility to tell that brand, put your dollars in the right place because I want data from you. I want information from you. Otherwise, why would I give you my money? That's something that we,
1: you know what I mean? We should be asking as just po- a population of intelligent people. Right. And like, yeah. that's the, that's kind of the whole concept behind why my co-founders started the company is like, they looked at this social media data universe that offers millions of like authentic conversations from us, the consumers, millions of data points that brands and companies, whether it's an actual brand or even, you know, the companies that are acquiring and investing in brands that could be learned from, but there wasn't any organization to the social data that would enable it to be used effectively by the brands. And that's basically what gave rise to the company social standards, right? Like that structure where a syndicated data source enables you to like, like you said, distill this huge amount of data in a quick and agile way to be able to evolve alongside what consumers are saying, to be able to understand that evolution, as well as not only understand the evolution, but capture insights that like drive action to be able Mm. to make strategic decisions about whether it's your, um, you know, ESG strategy or whether it's your product line or whether it's even just marketing your current product line. I mean, or, you know, another use case I would say is companies will come to us. I mentioned um, investment companies will come to us to look at brands when they're deciding whether or not they want to acquire or invest in the brand because it gives them the ability to understand that consumer's perception and the trajectory of the brand into the future from a consumer's perspective. Absolutely. No, I think this it's the you know
0: the possibility of what we can do with this kind of information is truly like just astronomical because I, I was just imagining this as we you know we were speaking um going into a sephora right and then Mm -hmm. you can somehow like you know you sync up this database this this amount of information you sync this up with major retailers and their um you know little devices they have all over their store where a consumer can go in and say will this product scan the product and then you know type in hyperpigmentation or select it we'll address that and then you have a chart-based or some kind of easily understandable based data mechanism come up saying this is how many times this brand was discussed in the conversation around hyperpigmentation this is, you know what I mean, something like that like it and- would be crazy to see that you know what i mean like that would be the the epitome of informed decision making as a consumer and i feel like brands owe us that i really you know- do
1: It's funny, it's because like what we, we're a B2B, we're a business to business company. So we do work with like the beauty brands and retailers and so on and so forth. Um, But your example is hilarious because I was just talking to one of um, my colleagues the other day and um, I have an eight month old daughter. So I generally have bags under my eyes and I'm saying, you know, my current skincare isn't necessarily helping with that. And she actually, I had never even thought to do this because I'm so busy, like working with our clients to understand like how we can help them. She went into our data to determine like which product over indexed, so to speak within like dark circles and baggy and all of these different concerns that I had mentioned and then gave me a recommendation. And I, I was just like, Floored because it was so funny. Because I've been at the company for over two years now, and I'd literally never done that to innovate my that's the data model. (laughs) That's that's
0: the data model. Yo, you just you know what I mean? That's oh my gosh, I love that. You don't even get I I got goosebumps just now. That's so freaking cool. That's the data model, that's what I'm talking about. You know, when you have data tables connected. And you can query things, and you can pull up whatever the fuck exists. Like, excuse my <laughs> pardon my French. And you can pull up that much information, and you can understand it right then, right there, and then narrow it down to even even a list of products. imagine the power of that and imagine how much we're going to evolve scientifically you know business-wise our consumerism habits it could help the economy out you know there's so many levels I could go
1: (laughs) I love it I love your big big blue sky thinking we're just trying to do one small part of that pie (laughs) Lucy
0: in the sky with diamonds is my you know really (laughs) my way of life I mean (laughs) I no Beatles! oh my god Beatles! Don't, don't get me started there that's my favorite band. We're, we're going into a whole different area you know no but yeah. seriously seriously andrea this is a this is really great and i really am so behind it and I, I i don't know i don't know what to say other than hats off you're a genius i love everything you guys are doing i mean i'm a huge fan i would actually love to have you on with uh, one of the co-founders if you guys want to come back anytime we can yeah. talk more about this you know just to get it out there I think the more people hear about this and the more people hear about you know the possibilities that we do already have access to it's not that we don't have access you know what i mean we have access we can do this we we just keep making excuses for the brands that aren't doing it and that's wrong you know well
1: and i would say you know for our brands and our friends out there who work for the brands or the financial institutions and private investment firms I don't think necessarily we can replace all of those other methods that I mentioned, maybe. But I also think like we offer a different perspective, right? Like, okay, maybe they can come to us and ask big questions that help them drive those survey questions. Because there's always going to be an element of brands wanting to have that one-to-one connection with consumers, right? Like they're always going to want that. And we understand that. But I think that there's like this gap And consumer understanding that we can fill that sits alongside some of the more traditional research like research methodologies and sources and vendors and that's why i'm really just so excited to be here because. I think what we're doing is incredible, and it's really, really fun to be part of these conversations. Not only with beauty companies, but with we work with multiple different verticals, and it's very cool to be talking to them about how to um, essentially do better business from the yeah. perspective of product innovation and then to be able to utilize products from the companies that we work with that maybe we had a hand in and helping them develop is really cool. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I I bet
0: it's a very, very nice feeling knowing at night before you go to bed that you have actually done something worth doing. I mean, honestly, let's be honest. That's what it comes down to. And I think that with the beauty industry, I love it. I love the beauty. It's, you know, it's an industry full of creatives and I Mm -hmm. value that, but I'm not going to BS anybody. And I'm just going to say it, there's a lot of redundancy you guys you know what i mean there's a lot of redundancy and there's a lot of shit that can be fixed and there's a lot of things that can be easily fixed and we're choosing not to fix them i mean i i really really believe in the power of community and networking and getting together and trying to figure out ways to make it happen but mm-hmm. at the end of the day if you as a scientist i absolutely cannot like condone anyone when they tell me I didn't have the resources to collect the right amount of data that's like going into like you know I grew up in a lab you know Mm -hmm. everything in a lab is done three times why because every experiment. is repeated three times because you want to make sure you're accurate. You look mm-hmm. at specificity, sensitivity of a test. Uh, you know these kind of things that are they sound like words to you, but they're real, actual concepts. You know, and mm-hmm. they're things that determine whether something you're doing or something you're using is of value and that's the point value you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so to create value in the mind of consumers you have to give them the data there's no there's just no argument arguing with that that that's a flat out obvious idea and I and you know I think what you guys are doing Andrea I think this is such good work and it's you know I can't wait to watch you guys grow and and to you know service more brands and and do what you do you know it, it's going to be amazing to just watch that so thank you thank you yeah, for coming no, on to the show thank
1: you so much it's been a really fun time having a chat with you and we'd love I we'd love to come back I'd love my co-founder and CEO Devin to join us and have a chat because he's been there obviously since the beginning it's his baby so yeah yeah huge awesome. shout out to him I huge am a huge <laughs> fan of yours no yeah. this is
0: a really great thing this is this is brilliance you know it's brilliance at its finest and I'm a huge fan of of you well, and you know your abilities your superpowers <laughs> I'm going to call her like the data data fairy from now on, you guys. Andrea is <laughs> our we data gotta,
1: fairy. We got to give a shout out to other, our other co-founder, Vlad, because he's actually the person behind the algorithm that makes it all possible. So oh, wow. Okay, a okay huge genius. shout out. Huge <laughs> shout out then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, no, this has been really fun. And sometime I'll have to talk to you a little bit more about your music because I love the Beatles. We've got some uh, oh. original Apple press vinyl from my husband's mother of their records from London. So that's kind of Oh
0: yeah, we need to talk. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we need to we need to speak. I'm actually I'm actually I've, I've met Paul a few times I've wow. actually gotten to know him by first name base yeah yeah he's my favorite Beatle by the way just for the record everybody okay. Paul McCartney, all the way mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah I see I can hear it already this is gonna be a great conversation no I absolutely anytime I would love to sit down with you on air off air you let me know I'm a huge fan like I said of what you guys are doing what you're doing you're a wonderful person just to be able to speak to and for everyone listening I really hope you guys enjoyed learning about this side of the industry you know i think it's really really important for us to have a 360 perspective about everything that we encounter in life and i think um, you know knowing that you guys are the intelligent consumers of you know this era um, i hear from you all the time it means a lot to me that you tune in and that you give feedback around conversations like this so please let us know what you thought. If you have any questions for Andrea's team, definitely send them along. I'll pass them along to her team and let's get her back here, you know? <laughs> do like a and a or something. It'll
1: be yeah, fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ekta, for having me and thank you to everyone who's listening.
0: Yes. Thank you, uh, everyone listening. And also one more thing before we go, please, if you get a chance and you're on Apple podcast, listening to us, just write us a review, a few sentences, please, because that helps us a lot, helps us go up in in the overall scheme of how Apple podcast does things. So I I would really appreciate it. And thank you again, Andrea. This is lovely. Thanks, Ecta. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.